That's what we want to focus in on today as we consider uh, God's plan, who, we, who he wants us to be, and what he wants us to do. Keep that in the back of your minds today as we open his word and give our focused attention to him. The crew is getting ready to sing a song in two Sundays from right now is when their program is on a Sunday night, uh, May 22nd, correct? Yeah, 22nd. So they'll be singing one this morning and then one next Sunday morning as well. Is that right? Hey, just keep coming. You're going to see a great, uh, great uh, thing by our crew. So crew, if you would sing for us this morning. Thank you very much, crew. Great singing this morning. Helps us to get our minds fixed 
off of ourselves sometimes for a while and fixed on what really matters. This morning, we are grateful to be able to be meet like we are as <clears throat> uh, we have several people uh, of our church that are actually traveling. Uh, Andrew and Molly and family are actually uh, not here today. So the crew, Tom Burdett's getting ready to sing a special and then right after him, Gary Coffey. Um, but it's important that we remember why we are here and why we do what we do. Let's open today in a word of prayer. Can we do that as we come together? Dear God, thank you for loving us. You do not give up on us. As so many times we tend, mankind tends to give up on you. We are here because we want to be well-pleasing to you. We want to do your bidding in this world. We want to be your hands and your feet. And we are grateful today. We recognize today relationships. A great relationship of influence is a mother to a child. There's also a negative side to that. There can be a, a great bad influence. So today as we come to you, we look to be well-pleasing to you by stepping into our roles, our relationships, and understanding the position of influence that would be unto you. So again, bless us today, the moms, the grandmothers, all that are hearing as your word is open. Of this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. And when I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family, I can feel the rain reminding me. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when the sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. When my hopes and dreams are far from me and I'm running out of faith, I see the future high pictured slowly fade away and when the tears of pain and heartache are pouring down my face i find my peace in jesus name you remain in control in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. In the 
test comes in and the doctor says I've only got a few months left. It's like a bitter pill I'm swallowing. I can barely take a breath. And when addiction steals my baby girl and there's nothing I can do, my only hope is to trust you. I trust you, Lord. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. You remain in control in the middle of the war. You guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when the sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. In the high of, in the high of the storm, I know you're watching me. When the storm is raging, when the storm is raging and, my and my hope is gone, when my flesh is failing, you're still holding on. When the storm is raging and my hope is gone, even when my flesh is failing, you're still holding on. When the storm is raging and hope is gone, even when my flesh is failing, you're still holding on, holding on. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He leads me to rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will be not afraid, for you are close beside me. Well, the Lord's with us all the time, right? Never fails. This song says, uh, asks a question, says, are you washed in the blood? And are you? Blood of the Lamb. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace? This hour are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless and white as snow? Washed in the blood of the Lamb. 
Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Well, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Oh, Jesus is coming soon, amen. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'm going to fly away. Thank you, gentlemen, for those specials this morning. <clears throat> As we, uh, again, take time to consider this morning. Thank you for being here. You know, you made the choice to be here this morning. You made that choice. Put the most into it. Some of you may have got wrangled here by your mothers. I get that. I understand that. But you're here nonetheless. But we're grateful to be able to meet the way that we do in a place that we have. And as we think about uh, the way that we communicate now, um, I noticed on Facebook several handful are watching. But we want to take this time and give a uh, special happy Mother's Day to, can we say, Artemia Henderson today. So if you would, wait, look back at the camera. She may not catch us till next week, but nonetheless, we want to say happy Mother's Day to Artemia Henderson this morning so uh, I never know when she's watching or not actually but as we think about today this is always um, many of you know me you've known me for decades now and 
this uh, is an interesting day. I, I love Mother's Day. Don't, don't misread me. But we've we, we, we got to remember why we're here. And then um, we don't want to just go through the motions. But yet when we look at the relationships in the Bible, we see that motherhood is a ordained position from God. We see that. And over and over and over, the Bible talks about mothers and motherhood. It's hard. That's the part that's fun and exciting for me. The hard part for me is as I've known you and you get to know me, and I hear your stories, not everybody in here has had a godly mother. Or not everybody in here, you're trying to figure out how to mother, and you're, you're a mother now, and you're, you're looking back, and you're going, I made so many mistakes. And, and I, I, that's what goes into my heart and mind as we worship today. So the good news is, wherever you are on that spectrum, maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your mother, maybe you had a great one. Maybe you're doing the best you can, you're starting to see the fruit of your motherhood start to come to fruition now, or maybe you're like, oh, I, I, I didn't even plant any of those seeds. The good news is, we get to come together under the name of God and be able to get clear direction for our life. So be encouraged today. Be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. And as we think about motherhood, we will um, sometimes, even in the Bible, you look at point of view. You don't mother the same all the time. I'll give you an example. When in the Bible, even when Jesus was born, you look at Mary when Jesus was born, it was uh, her point of view was different. She she fully uh, not fully, but she she embraced the fact of this is no ordinary child. He, she pondered these things in her heart. She knew that it was God in the flesh and, and, and didn't understand all of it, but she knew that something very special. She knew something we didn't. And then you see Mary when he's about 12 years old and he's, you know, where's he at? And he's back at the synagogue and she has to go back and find him. Her point of view is different as he grew. And then her point of view is even more different when he turned the water into wine and at the cross. Point of view. So in this room today, mothers, you could be at a different point in time, which would cause a different point of view. For example, Molly Writings has a newborn. Her point of view is different, say, than Melissa Bovey, who has Jacob and Esau getting ready to graduate next week. It's a different point of view. It's a different point in time. Scott and Ann, you have a one in the military and, and one getting ready to go to West Point. It's a, you, you parent and you, you, you motherhood looks differently. But you never stop being a mother. Guess what I'm going to say in January, uh, in June? Hey, fathers, regardless of where they are, you never stop being a father. You never stop that. So it can be different, um, absolutely, depending on where you are at any point in time. But we have the word of God. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's look at this. If you are familiar with Crosspoint, you've heard this before. And Pastor Roger and I was talking this morning. We're calling to remembrance today. We all need to have that time of self-evaluation and going back to what we know is right, the basics. We need this. We need to have that uh, checkup from the neck up is, is one way of phrasing it, but it's really a heart issue. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. And 
Five and six is where we'll pick up, but I do want to set it up by reading one through four. Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible. Here we go. Now, the, uh, now this is the commandment and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. So what's going on here? God's going, here's your instructions for life. What are those instructions for life to Israel? Well, if you look in chapter 5, that's what's known as the Big Ten, right? It's not a school. It's not a football Big Ten. It's the Big Ten known as the Ten Commandments. There's other commandments as well, but he had given them the statutes and the, the commands and the judgments that you observe when you cross over. They're getting ready to inherit what a promise. They're getting ready to receive what God had pro, uh, promised to them. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God. That means respect, but also fear to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you and your sons and your grandsons all the days of your life that you uh, and that your days may be prolonged. Verse two, this is a great time for us to ring the bell and wake up the grandparents and the great grandparents in the room. You're mentioned right there in verse two. Just because you're like, oh, they're 18, they're out of the house. I did my job. Fatherhood never stops. It doesn't matter if you're 100, and if your son's 80, guess what? You're still, you're still parenting. It can feel like, Jewel, why are you laughing? He just, oh, he knew it was coming, I guess. He just started laughing right there. Don't underestimate what God can and will do through your life regardless of your age. Do not sell God short in that regard. Watch what happens. There's a wake-up call in verse 2, verse 3. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe, to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You've heard about this. You've heard it. Now's the time. Now is that time. You be ready, and you, 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 you pay attention to what I am instructing you. This is a roadmap. Using the Bible as my roadmap, as one of the bluegrass songs goes, is very much true for life. Tells you where you came from, where you are, and where you're headed. Who's ever heard that before? So true of a statement. Now, we're getting up to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, he is one. Verse 5 is where I want you to start thinking with me a little bit more. And remember this point. We, you and I as human beings, are created for worship. And by the way, you're worshiping someone or something right now. Watch what happens. Verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words shall I command you today shall be in your heart. Verse 5 and 6 is interesting because it shows us that very point that we were created to worship. Did you know where he says, there's a key word here, as I'm looking at bylaws, there's a very important lawyer term, and that term is shall. That's a heavy, heavy word. You shall. That means it will be done. You shall. The God tells us here in verse 5, you shall 
love the Lord your God. Can you command somebody to love? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Can you command somebody to love? God's given us a command. The gospel is a message for us to obey as we believe we obey. That verse goes on, talks about with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Look at the verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, the center of who you are. God wants your undivided love and devotion. He wants that over sacrifice. He wants it over church attendance, lip service. He wants it over your money or anything we think we can do to gain God's attention. He just wants you. Now we're talking about mothers today. We are created to worship as people. Remember that. By the way, if you want to know who or what you're worshiping, just track your time and track your money. And it will lead you to what you worship. Jesus used these verses in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37, 38, and 39, where he summed up all of the Old Testament in just a handful of verses. And he quoted this one. He quoted this very verse. If you're floating through life right now, I ask you, who or what are you worshiping? Who's getting your attention and what are they giving in return? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Who, who's getting your attention and what are they giving in return? We are made to love, to give God our focused attention and we receive him in return, Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. When you seek him, you receive his presence, you receive a blessing. Mothers, can we be reminded today that you can't lead where you're not going. If you're not going in that direction, you're not going to be able to lead in that direction. We are tempted to worship other things, drawing us away from God. This could be sudden. You could just choose something else. It could be subtle. It could be over time. But the question becomes for us. Now watch where we're going with this. The question becomes for us, mothers and fathers in the room, how do we worship and why does it matter? What matters between you and your relationship with God but it also matters in your offspring. It will matter. How do you worship? You cultivate worship. You cultivate where you spend your time and your money and your attention. How do you do that? Well, you spend time in your quiet times. How many, time, how many people in here use the daily bread for a devotional periodically or maybe every day? Handful of hands, a lot of hands went up. The daily breads, we're doing our best to keep them current. Um, they got behind there for a while. Daily breads are a track to run on. They're not the answer, but it gets you to the word, which gets you to the presence of God. Bible study. Something really cool happened on Thursday was our national day of prayer in our country. And we opened the building up from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And what was interesting about that was uh, it didn't dawn on me until after I got here. At, I got here at 6.30 Thursday morning that I got to be here for 12 hours. So I had Carla come up. We did a split shift. 
But what happened was very unique. As the building was opened, as sanctuary was set up a certain way, that as people were coming and going, I kind of set up out there at the, at the tables out there, um, and I was able to catch up and talk with people, members of our church, that were here for prayer, that learned in, that, that turned into discipleship. But you know what it turned into also? A Bible study. By studying the Word of God that cultivates worship. I'm going to have them put on the screen Psalm 95, verse 6. Psalm 95, verse 6 tells us to choose to worship. Make that concerted effort. Psalm 95 and verse 6. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our Lord, before the Lord, our maker. Come, let us do this. Let's do it together. Let's do it privately. Now, this is where it gets applicable. There's the, the, the table's been set for us to start doing. What is the point? We are created to worship. I want you to repeat that line after me when I say three. We are created to worship. One, two, three. We are created to worship. We are created to worship. Are you trying to brainwash us, Pastor? Trying to get it in your heads, get it in your hearts, and get it in your minds. Because we are forgetful people. We are created to worship. You're worshiping someone or something right now. You are. Now, here's where it gets applicable. Now, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is where it goes hands-on. If you're a doer, you're going to like what's about to happen. We must teach proper priorities on purpose. Teach the proper priorities on purpose. Look in verse 7. <clears throat> Let me sneak in verse 6 here. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. In other words, now that you got your fixed point set in your heart, which is where everything's going to come out of, and that's a battle. That's a battle to keep him there, especially as you're rearing children. But verse 7 through 9 reads, You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit, sit in your house, when you, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Ultimately, what is verse 7 through 9 telling us? Keep the word of God in front of you and your family. Why? Because there's no plan B. There's no plan B for what's true and what's right. There's a lot of noises out there. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things that'll pull you, but there's only one truth. Again, parents and grandparents, a great position of influence. You were found in verse 2. But it's most applicable to parents who are with their children most in a day, I hope. I've done this in years past, but I want you to consider this. If you break up your day into eight-hour segments, three-eighths is 24, there's 24 hours in a day. If your child sleeps eight hours a night, hopefully they're not sleeping at school, but at night, they sleep eight hours a night, and they're at, schools eight hour, at school for eight hours, that leaves you with eight hours to really be active in their life. What that ultimately means is a third of your child's life may be in someone else's hands. 
Is that sobering? Is that a sobering thought? The bulk of that time, and I know that homeschool has been trending upward for quite some time now, and that causes more time to you be, you be training your children. I get that. But that's a wake-up call for us. A third of the time of your child's life, somebody else has an influence on them. Verse 7 uh, gives us, starts to give us some hands-on uh, on how do we diligently teach our children. We've heard the saying, more things are caught than taught. In fact, I was with Mike Jones just uh, yesterday, and I uh, know Curtis's son a little bit, and I kept, he, he does a certain mannerism that I hear Curtis do all the time. And I pointed it out. Why is that? Because you spend so much time together, you pick up each, even each other's mannerisms. How do, but how does that happen? Because of time. Time together. How do we teach these? How do we teach our children and our grandchildren the command to love God? By doing it. It's by doing it. You can't leave where you're not going. You need to have God... So much of your thinking and conversation that we talk about him during our activities. Please don't wait for Sunday, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, to have that influence on your children and your grandchildren. You're, you're, you're way behind. You're way behind if you're waiting for that. If you're waiting for Pastor Rick, Commander Brad, or me to zap your kid. Oh, we want to zap them, all right. But not the way we're talking this morning. We're talking about a spiritual awakening in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. Mothers, you're in the greatest position of influence, perhaps. You have that ability to come alongside in a certain tone. And in a certain tone. You have that ability to gain attention. But we need to be discerning. I was at a family's house a while back ago. We were having a pretty serious meeting um, about just things, church life and all that. And we were having a very good discussion, actually. And the, the husband and wife, they said, I'm going to pause you for a minute. Um, I'm going to put the kids to bed and, and say, make sure I pray with them tonight before we go to bed. We do it every night. And we were having a very important meeting. But that was more important. To stop what we were doing... To do that, please, by all means, instilling that faithful, consistent habit of showing them the way to the Lord. Verse 7 picks up speed. You shall teach them diligently to your children you, uh, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That means all the time. So uh, in my house, years ago, that's why I kind of set up a certain patio furniture in a certain way. Uh, I think I mentioned this maybe a year or two ago, but I love an old school porch swing, right? The, and, well, and the springy thing and the Waltons, and you recreate that whole moment. Yeah, I said Waltons. And uh, so our, ours had broken. Well, I want that porch swing. That's where we have some... Just heart-to-heart -heart talks. Sometimes it's with me and my daughter. Sometimes it's me and Carla. It's me and the old man. Carla's dad will we'll just be there. Well, it broke. It broke. And I said, I, we went as a family. Caitlin went. The old man. I keep calling him old man. 
OJ went, my father-in-law, and, uh, and we went, and we went way up uh, to the Amish country. And, uh, but they convinced me that you don't want the hanging one, you want the glider. You want the glider. And I'm like, no, I want the hanging one, like the Waltons. I want that, I want, I want that whole recreated scene is what I wanted. And, of course, Caitlin went, so we picked out the most expensive one. And I was reminded I didn't want it, but the goal of that glider, the goal of that was the conversations that we have. In fact, just a week or two ago, I said, we need to go on the front porch. Caitlin's not a teenager anymore. But we were able to go on that front porch and talk these things through. All the time you need to have the availability without forcing the conversations. You got to have the relationship. When you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. It was taken literally, by the way, look in verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That was taken literally by overzealous believers, but means to think on these things. That, that's the point. Think on these things. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on, uh, on your gates. Nothing wrong with keeping uh, these uh, words in front of your eyes. Many of you know that I have a big rock in my yard. That's from Kentucky Mountain Mission. I have a scripture I want to etch in there. I can't figure out how to do it because it's sandstone and it keeps falling apart. But the wise man built his house upon the... I want people to see that rock and know it's kind of why it's there. It's one of the reasons why it's there. Listen to this quote. This is a quote from a commentary from a pastor. And then I'll put it in crosspoint terminology. The Hebrews were extremely successful at making God an integral part of life. The reason for their success was that God's education was life-oriented, not information-oriented. Did, did you grab a hold of that? End quote. Make sure that your relationship with your children is not information-oriented only. Don't speak to them, speak with them. Don't speak down to them, speak across to them. It's, it's life-oriented, not information-oriented. Let me pick that quote back up again. They use the context of everyday life to teach about God. The key to teaching your children to love God is stated simply and clearly in these verses. If you want your children to follow God, you must make God a part of your everyday life. You must teach your children to see God in all aspects of life, not just those that are church-related, end quote. Wow, what's that mean? What's that mean? If I could scrape it down for cross point, it would be God is in everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly, seek him. He's in, he's in everything. Your children are not going to grow spiritually by accident. Somebody has to lead them there. So mothers, again, you're in a great position of influence. Embrace your role. Our priorities as parents today affect their tomorrow. It affects their tomorrow. We, it's interesting as you look at our church, you can tell uh, like our, our nursery will be like empty. That's because we just had a big group go over here. 
And then all of a sudden the beginner or toddlers will be empty because they went to beginners. And it kind of goes in waves like that. But we want to start planting seeds from the time we get them in the nursery somehow. That's the hardest one to plant that seed. But I'm going to tell you something that I did. Wednesday night I was able to be in Awana and I taught all three of the classes. Four, Puggles, Cubbies, Sparks, and TNT. All from, from this age to that age. Same lesson, way different method of teaching. What's the point? Finding that way of getting on that, that level in terminology. Be a kid for a moment and share with them these things. Listen, when you're trying to teach puggles, that's this size. About Jesus and how... Peace. How do you teach that to a, a little kid? I'm trying to keep them from, from sticking things up their nose. But you know what I did? I, I learned this years ago. I got down on one knee and told them a story. When you get down on their level, you know what they do? They, they, they go like this. Just because I went down. We was able to share one point, one point to the puggles. But each group, you got to diligently keep these things in front of them. To you believing parents out there, mothers out there, you believe that Jesus is the one who provides peace in our life? Do you agree with that? Have you shared that with them? Have they seen, the, because you are in him, that you have peace in him? John 16, Have they seen it? These are questions that only you can answer. But no matter your age, you're always your child's parent. The dynamics may change, age, locations, the authority may change. What do I mean by authority? Typically, your, your, your children are under your authority until they are married and out of the house. I, I can biblically show you this. You're under mom and dad. When you're married, you two shall become one. You leave mom and dad. There's a different authority there. So even though authority may even change, you still parent them. It just looks different. Since Aaron's not in here, I can talk about him. I talk to him more now. It seems like that he's not living at home than when he lived at home. Maybe I'm not so dumb after all. Deuteronomy applies, again, parents and grandparents as well. God said they would, they would enter the promised land but when? Look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. Look in verse 10. This is awesome. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a charge, <clears throat> to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. They're going to be receiving a blessing that they don't have any skin in the game, spiritually speaking, if I could phrase it that way. They were going to enter a promised land when the Lord, your God, brings you there. Did you catch me? Catch that? When he brings it. God foretold the future blessings. God's promise from generations ago came to fruition. Look at the end of verse 10. He swore to your faith. This was the promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Your, 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 your patriarch fathers that you have no skin in the game, spiritually speaking, you're going to receive that blessing. 
What is the blessing? Look in verse 11. Houses full of all good things which you did not fill. How many of you feel like that when your children look around and they say either I'm bored or we're poor? And you look around at all the stuff they have. They didn't work for any of that. They didn't work for any of that. Houses full of all good things which you did not fill. Hone out wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full. Verse 11 shows in today's comparison. Our children are reaping the benefits of what you've went out and worked for and earned. earned. The blessings. The warning comes in verse 12. Listen, here's the apex of what we want to share today. It's actually in verse 12. The warning comes at the most peculiar time. Verse 12, you have all this stuff and you're eating, you're full and, and you're being blessed. Verse 12, then beware. Wait, 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 wait. Beware when? After you've received the blessing, after you've prospered, then beware. Not the other way around. How many of you would agree you've learned more from your hard times than you have from your victories? We learn more from the struggle and the journey than we do when we receive the win, perhaps. So watch what verse 12 does. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage in verse 12. The warning is over blessings. Warning is not over the poverty. Prosperity, more than, pro, uh, more than poverty, will dull your spiritual vision. Let me repeat that. Prosperity, more than poverty, will dull your spiritual vision. Applies to churches too. Verse 12, the back part of that tells us that it is all about God. We looked at Judges just uh, a week or two ago. What did we learn about Judges and, and Israel's habit to go back to and take on the foreign gods of the, the neighborhood, I guess you would say, idols of the heart even, is that God judged. We are children and are bound by a spiritual text. Spiritual children are bound by spiritual text. Turn with me to Galatians. We won't be, we're done with Deuteronomy. Turn to Galatians chapter 6 and 7. We've heard this verse, but maybe not applied this way. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. You've heard this verse, but perhaps not applied this way as it relates to our children, mainly to mothers. Galatians 6, verse 7 and verse 8 tells us, Do not be deceived, and God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Cultivate. God in your life and the fruit follows. Cultivate God in your life and the fruit will follow. Cultivate God in your life and the fruit will follow. That's basic. That's simple. And it's true. If we don't intentionally sow godly habits into our lives and the lives of our family, don't be shocked 
when they show spiritual apathy toward the future. If you're not planting a seed now, don't be, don't be shocked when they show apathy toward, spiritually speaking, to the future. Is that not our American culture right now? Zero respect for the, for the Bible. Zero respect for churches. In fact, they're protesting at churches. Zero respect. Why is that? There is a spiritual apathy that has happened toward the future and the things of God. They have nothing to live and look forward to. Parents, this goes out as a caution. We don't have the right as a pastor, we, as a church, we don't have the authority to tell you how to live your lives. What we do is take the word of God and do our best to keep our church body focused in on him. But I want to put out a warning to you as this trend seems to pick up, and that is the idol of our children. We can set up our children as the idol of our heart. Soccer games are going to come and go. Baseball, cheerleading, basketball, even my favorite hobbies are going to come and go. But the word of God endures forever. There's a good friend of mine. There's a good friend of yours. There's a, he just so happens to be a church member as well. Charlie Ricky. I got to spend some time with him over the last couple weeks, but more specifically, I think it was third. I can't remember the day now, but one day last week I got to spend some time with him. And he looked at me, and uh, I don't know if you know about Charlie Ricky. He usually sits on the back row back there. And he loves the game of golf, loves it. And he, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he looked at me and said, Pastor, I don't think, I think my golfing days are over. He loves that game. That's all he lives in. While I was there and he was laying in bed, that was on TV. He loves that game. But there was something more important than that game. You know, when you get at the end of life, you see where all this stuff really, really matters. Fanatical parents push their children to winning something that eternally is worthless. Gain the world, but lose your soul. Be careful you're not steering your children in that direction. So, like our text says, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, so what will last? What will last? So what will show on the court and on the field? Watch this. So the things of God, eternal things that will actually show up on the court or on the field. I knew a guy in Missouri, he played high school football, and the team was good. They were aggressive. And he said, once we were up by a certain amount, my motto was, hit them hard, but help them up. Now, if they weren't up by a certain score, he was instructed just to hit them hard. It's football. We're going to win. But once they were up by so much, he would hit them hard, but then help them up. That's playing the game, but showing the fruit of what's been instilled in the soul. Make every day count. Make every day count. We need to just be reminded, mothers, it's, it's kind of your day. 
today is your day. Uh, and I'm getting some looks right now like, you don't know what my day is going to look like. Let's celebrate Mother's Day by coming over and having mom cook. It's kind of a day when you get to enjoy your family. As you cultivate your relationship with Christ, share. Share it. You may be trying everything to save your kids, but to no avail. You lead where you aren't going. It's important that you got to lead where you're going. You want them to go. Trying godly principles without Christ won't work. It still comes down to Jesus Christ. Having him first and foremost in your life. Don't look for the benefits of Christ. You need to be in him. The fruit will follow. We are created for worship. We must teach proper priorities on purpose. And our priorities as parents affect uh, today affect their tomorrow. I wanted to share just a couple more little verses here. And these are sound bites. This is what we love about the book of Proverbs. It's kind of sound bites. We can grab and go, grab and go. And that seems to be the world we live in. Um, but these sound bites from Proverbs, I actually have in a file that uh, Brad Bovey preached a message on Mother's Day of 2016. It must have been good because I took notes. And kept them. So Brad did some work here. But again, I, want, I thought, how can we conclude today in a different manner? What's something we can do? Yes, mothers, you get to leave with a cupcake today. I get the leftovers. Mothers get a cupcake today. And we have an area for you to, to take this time and enjoy your family. We have an area for photos even afterward. If you want to get your children together, grand, family pictures, all that stuff. But more importantly, can I just put out a couple things for you to grab a hold of? Just sound bites for you to remember. Go to the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at just a couple of these. Proverbs chapter 1. If you're turning there or flipping through your phone to get there, Proverbs chapter 1. While you're flipping there, in your Bibles and your phones, I'll tell you what happened this morning. I left the house and didn't have, I left my phone at the house. I rarely do that. I left it on the charger. I said, ah, no big deal. I'll call Carla. So I got this fancy watch. I said, I'll call her from a watch. Well, it wasn't connected to my phone, so I couldn't call her. Then I thought, well, that ain't going to work. I know what I'll do. I'll, uh, I'll get to church and call her. Then I realized I don't know her phone number. She's a, she's a button on my phone. I actually had to look up my wife's phone number in the church directory. <laughs> then my fear was, I'm going to call her phone number, and she's not going to answer, not recognizing the number from the church line, thinking it's a spam. <laughs> then I thought, well, I'll call Betty, because she knows the church number. She can text my wife to call me to bring me my phone. I love technology. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to these sound bites. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I hope you heard some instruction today, something for you to grab a hold of. Husbands, I hope it's uh, fathers, it's, it's a chance for you to come alongside and undergird 
the role of your wife and your mother, the mother of your children uh, in their life. Honor and respect God. They're not going to do it. It's rare that they would do it if you don't do it. Here's another thing. Go uh, to chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Be on guard. You ever messed with a mama bear before? You know that scenario, right? Mama will protect those cubs. Listen, there's something that mama bears, spiritually speaking, need to protect. It's not just your cubs. It's your own self. 4.23, a proverb says, keep your heart with all diligence. Why? Out of it spring the issues of life. Issues of life. Let me throw one more at you. It's Proverbs 15, verse 5. Chapter 15, verse 5. I want to make sure to make a little side note point here. Proverbs 15, 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction. You may be thinking, oh, that's for fathers. That one doesn't apply to me. Many of you mothers in this room, perhaps, are being the father as well. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Prepare yourself. Prepare. Are you listening to instruction as you instruct your children, your grandchildren? You had to prepare yourself. And there's several more, there's a lot more actually in the book of Proverbs. But I wanted to share a couple of these to get you thinking, to be, get you prepping yourself as you live this life together with the people that are closest to you, that are around you the most, perhaps, that you have the greatest position of influence on. I want Christ to have the greatest influence on our hearts as we share him. Let's bow for prayer. As we conclude today, and there's a lot of activity today, and things of that nature, it's, those are okay, that's good. Let's just draw the personal application in our hearts and minds. The personal application to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Dear Lord, take this time and make it your own. Work in hearts and lives in only a way that you can. We think of Acts 16 and Lydia that was taught in faithful life and being taught in Bible Quest as well. How that you opened her heart and mind. Open our hearts and mind this morning that as we look to our offspring, we look to maybe children that aren't our offspring biologically but but are in that role in your in a motherhood and a fatherhood role we look to you a father to the fatherless give us instruction and guidance as we raise our families in what's good right and pure teaching in the way of the cross i pray in christ's name amen as we conclude today i've asked um Eric is actually getting ready to make some announcements, and then Brad will close us out as well. But again, I wanted to emphasize that um, out front, ladies, if you are a mother today, I think that's the rule, right? Is that the rule, Roger? Mothers get the cupcakes first, then the fathers, or something like that. We just want to make sure that all the mothers make sure you get your gift today and get your picture made as well. Eric, if you will.
this is pretty exciting to have this. I got a lot of power in this. <laughs> Turn it down. First off, I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mother who's watching on Facebook. Away from here, she's out of town, but so I want to say that. And, of course, to my wife and mother-in-law, I guess. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> first things first, I just want to say on behalf of the trustees, we've got um, some exciting opportunities for anybody that is willing or interested in helping us around the um, around the building this summer. We've got a sign-up sheet on the Welcome Center uh, for some weeding of the flower beds and cleaning glass, and there's obviously a lot of things that go on around here that we could use some help with. So if you're interested, let me or one of the trustees know. Um, we also have a work day on May 15th. That's in lieu of the Sunday night service. We're going to have pizza, so at least come for that, and maybe clean a window or a vacuum for us. So that's all I have. Unless you want me to sing a song, I could do that. <laughs> I, was, I was already walking briskly, but all right. So uh, again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Uh, enjoy the day. Uh, be a blessing to, to others. Be the reason that somebody smiles today. A couple of things to, to just make you aware of. There's no Facebook Live tonight. We're assuming that everybody would be spending time with friends and family, so enjoy the evening. We will have family night on Wednesday night. It is our final regular Awana night for the kids, and then next Wednesday, so this Wednesday is a, just a normal night, but it's the last normal night. The following Wednesday will be our Awana Awards night, so uh, be ready for that. All the kids that arrive will, will receive a, a, a reward for that. And then also, Grief Share will be this Thursday. A lot of things coming up uh, for Vacation Bible School Summer Camp. So VBS signups are out in the lobby. We encourage you to sign up. If you've never worked in Vacation Bible School, this would be a great year to, to do that. Uh, we're looking forward to a, a very exciting and, and fun-filled summer with the kids. So v, uh, VBS signups for workers, for T-shirts, out in the lobby. If you have any questions, you can see me. Pastor Rick is out of town, but I'll be happy to, to answer any questions you may have. And then we also have camp registration for Rush Camp for the teens. That early registration ends on May the 20th. So if you want the best prizes, you want to go ahead and sign up as soon as possible. Any questions about that, be sure to see either the Reynolds or Brandon. With that, you are dismissed.